What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 105. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as always, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Uh, I don't know, man. Alchemy. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to do like, I tried to be apathetic, you know? I, I don't think I'm a very naturally apathetic person. I, th- I think I'm a little too uh, uh, rambunctious for that, but alchemy gets me down, man. Well, I know we were going for the alliteration thing here, but I think we're going to end up being not so apathetic. I think this episode is going to rile us up. (laughs) Alchemy anger. (laughs) That might be a better way to go about it. But before we jump into this, I think you, you as the listener can kind of guess where we're going with this episode. But before we do our usual housekeeping stuff, if you're not already in the discord, check it out. It's a great place to be. We had some awesome fun with folks uh, giving us feedback on last week's episode. If you missed that, it was our second year anniversary and we answered your mailbag questions. So check that out. It was it was a lot of fun for us and it seems like you guys had a lot of fun listening to it as well. So continuing going forward, you can submit questions in our Discord as well for the listener question of the week. And we would love to get those in there. So don't be shy. Go ahead over to the Discord and check that out. Anyone who submitted listener questions in the mailbag that we didn't get to, uh, we're going to do those for listener questions of the week as well. But hey, give us some listener questions. We love doing this, not just on yearly anniversaries, but all the time, magic related or not, whatever's on your mind. Uh, if you're watching a cool show, ask us if we've seen it. If you want to know about, I don't know, our lives, we're pretty open books, I think. Yeah. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. We're far less apathetic about you guys than we are <laughs> alchemy. Let's put it oh, that way. No. But zero apathy for, for the listeners. Absolutely. Perks over there on the Patreon include things like our draft doctor series, stickers, show notes, unedited recordings of the show and our draft chaff hero cards sent right to your door, signed by us and tweaked by Ben. <laughs> <laughs> And you can check that out again at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. All right, Ben, we've got a cracker draft type thing and this looks to be a cube draft. So fire away. Yep. We got vintage cube coming in hot here with a natural order. Just really solid green card. Uh, that's the two green green. You sack a, a green creature and you do you go get a green creature. Now, of course, the creature you get doesn't have to be just green. The most popular target for natural order is probably progenitus. But there's some other good ones. Um, Woodfall Primus, Avenger of Zendikar, even Kogla the Titan Ape. Um, you can kind of use this as a toolbox card. But I prefer to just go get progenitus. The downside is when you draw progenitus and it's in your hand. And uh, you usually play this in mono green. You're never casting it. But turn three progenitus, that is, uh, that is really strong. This is a pretty good start. Yeah, sounds great to me. Next up, Recruiter of the Guard. That one goes and gets a uh, creature with toughness two or less. Puts it in your hand. It's a little little white creature. Eh, a little awkward. You can play this in like a Chian's-ish deck. Uh, shout out to Paul Chian and, and his uh, deck that's kind of named after him. Uh, mostly jokingly by, by LSV and as an insult saying that he likes to just play piles of like blue-white creatures and value. But those decks can be good. You can also use this if you're looking for like a combo piece. I guess if you're playing like Jeskai Twin or something and you need a way to go get um, your, your pieces or a Kiki or something. Next up is Sedgemore Witch. We didn't see that one too long ago. That was from uh, Strixhaven. It's all right. Chain Lightning, basically Lightning Bolt. Mono Red wants this. Pretty much no one else does. Maybe Jeskai Control. Elspeth Sun's Champion is next. I love Elspeth Sun's Champion so much, but just not in this cube. Um, there's like cheaper Planeswalkers that also win the game. So given given the option between a like four mana card that wins the game and a six mana card that wins the game, you're always taking the four. Next up, we've got Animate Dead, one of the better reanimation spells. It, it, this is a million words on it that are that are too complicated to to decipher. But basically, it, it takes a thing from your graveyard and sticks it back onto the battlefield, but it like enchants it from your graveyard and it gives it minus one minus zero. Oh. I don't know. It only costs one of the black. So besides straight up reanimate, uh, this is one of the better ways to get something from your graveyard onto the battlefield. It also hits your opponent's graveyard, which makes it pretty flexible. Uh, mm. So, you know, there, there's that going for it as well. Good point. And that that drop in power usually doesn't matter when you're swinging with something like a Grizzle Brand or, or an Eldrazi Titan. Speaking of Eldrazi Titans, the next card in our pack is uh, the big bad herself, Emrakul the Aeon's Torn. 15 mana for 15-15 with all sorts of fun text that comes after that. But, I mean, you can cast her. <laughs> I, I mean, you rarely hard cast her, maybe with like a, like a Gaia's Cradle or some insane amount of ramp in a green deck. But most of what you're doing with Emrakul is sneak attack, whether it's the actual card sneak attack, uh, which lets you put a creature from hand on a play and sacrifice it at your end step, or through the breach, which is a sorcery that does the same thing. 
if you attack with with Ember and Cool once, the game usually just ends on the spot. Your opponent is sacking six permanents, taking like 15 flying damage often. It, it doesn't matter Like what, what, if, if you have to sacrifice Ember Cool at the end of the turn. I mean, you've already won. Next up, Vampiric Tutor. I mean, it's no Demonic Tutor. This is one black. It's the instant. You just search the library for a card, put it on top, and then lose two life. So not as good as putting it in your hand. This, I mean, I've played it in Storm <laughs> in my like one semi-successful Storm deck. Yeah, you don't really want it anywhere else. Maybe in Reanimator uh, to go get your key pieces. I mean, this is clearly a combo card. Yeah, if you like have something very specific you're digging for, it's fine. But again, you'd really rather have a tutor that's going to put something in your hand instead. The average black deck wants something closer to our next pick, which is Knight's Whisper. Uh, one of the black, draw two, lose two. Just really solid card. Pretty much any black deck can play this. You'll cut it sometimes, but not all the time. Next up, speaking of black cards, Gideon Black Blade. Eh, eh. <laughs> Zach's making a face. So it's a mono white card, and mono white can play this. It's it's a three mana planeswalker that, again, you know, you're taking this over Elspeth every time. Uh, this is a three mana card that also threatens to close up the game. Next up is Mana Flare. Do not play these cards. Like the Heartbeat of Spring, Mana Flare. There might be one other one. It's a three mana effect that says whenever a land is tapped for mana, its controller doubles it functionally or adds an additional. Um, don't play these. Almost always your opponent will make better use out of it than you will because you have to pay three mana to put it on the battlefield in the first place. There's the red one and the green one. Sometimes storm players will play this if they need a uh, like a, a ritual effect. Um, it combines really well with things that untap your lands, um, but high tide is, is kind of better um, if you're trying to do this type of thing to, to, to have lands tap for multiple mana. But I mean, if you can mana flare and, and turn about or mana flare and uh, uh, somehow untap all your lands in the same turn, then, you know, you, you can make a ton of mana. And that's what Storm wants to do. But just don't play this. Next up, is this the only land in the pack? It is. Yikes. Well, it's a pretty good one. Bloodstained Mire. It's a fetch land. There are tons of fetchable lands in this cube. I mean, besides just basics, there's, there's all the triomes. Uh, there's the true jewels. There's the shocks. There's even a few others. But this is a fetch. Uh, the black red fetch lands. So I've started taking fetches higher. Um, I, I used to take fetches and fetchables at about the same rate, but I've started taking fetches a little bit higher because relatively there's less of them and they're so important for, for making sure your deck has, you know, working mana. Yeah. And with the triomes, there's so much overlap between the fetches and what you can fetch with them. So it, it actually, you can kind of care a little bit less about which fetches you're picking up and just kind of take them and, and you'll make your mana base work. Yeah, exactly. So like, you could have a Raugrin Triome, right? The the Jeskai one, the red, blue, white one. If you had a Bloodstained Mire, this essentially taps for four colors of mana. Right. Which is, you know, obviously really good. Next up, Ol' Inky, Inkwell Leviathan. Huge artifact creature. It is Shroud and Island Walk. So if your opponent has any islands, they're just going to take seven a few times and then die. So um, that's a good Tinker target, but the, the artifact decks can, can sometimes jam it out faster. I think you really want to tinker into it though, but you know, I think you'd rather tinker no Blightsteel. Yeah, I feel like Inkwell Leviathan has always been kind of at a weird spot where like, yeah, it's an incredible card. And when you can get it on the battlefield, you can get it on the battlefield. But there's almost always a better target for things that can get it out fast. Yeah. And then it's never going to get like, you're never really looking to cast this from hand. And this isn't really as game ending a threat. It doesn't have the same immediacy as some cards. For example, like a Grizzlebrand, which is just going to draw your opponent a million cards. I'm I'm almost not that afraid of an Inkwell Leviathan. I mean, you can't get it off the field, sure. But uh, I did outrace a Progenitus the other day, and that's even better than Inkwell. So, you know, I just had, I just had a, a huge flying lifelinker, and they just kept swinging with Progenitus. I just kept attacking back for like six, seven flying lifelink in the air. I don't know. Don't overvalue threats like this, but the artifact decks do need to close up the game somehow. Speaking of the artifact decks, we've got Golgari Signet. Signets are just good, you know? You want to have Signets. Yeah, not, not too much more to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll usually play them even if only one of their colors matches my deck. Last but not least, uh, well, pretty close to least, <laughs> we have uh, Kitchen Finks. This is mostly a sideboard card, I think, um, that you side in against something like Mono Red or honestly against Mono White. This is uh, a good in the mirror match if you're playing Mono White. I guess I've, I've seen this played in Mono Green once where my opponent had both Natural Order and Magus of the Order, the creature that has the same effect as Natural Order. And th their goal was to like be able to sack Kitchen Finks to their their natural order or magus the order and then have it persist back but like you know if you're casting natural order the game's ending anyway it doesn't matter if your creature sticks around and has undying or persist or not so th this is pretty low on my pick list so what is your pick in this pack that's actually why i chose this because 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not a good pack. You're you're usually hoping to pack one, pick one, any form of the power, any of the moxen, you know, an ancestral recall or a time walk or something. Yeah, I did actually have a pick like set aside, but it had a mox ruby in it, and I was like, "No, nah, we did that before. Let's get one where the power level is a little bit flatter across the board, and we can't even go for the safe pick of a land because bloodstained mire." Sure, it's good and it's a fetch, but you really want to focus on the blue and green fetches. Those tend to be the more powerful ones because they slot into decks that care about the ability to fetch more, whether it's like a blue deck using it to shuffle away stuff that you brainstorm back on top of your deck or a green deck that has um, like a crucible of worlds where you can play the fetches from your graveyard and, and get tons of value. No, but here the, the power level is pretty flat. Yeah, when it comes to packs like this, we, we talk a lot when we talk about pack one pick ones and actually like the first couple of picks in a in a draft being very power focused and you just take the pe- most powerful card in vintage cube and other high powered cube environments. I tend to try to look for what is the most unique effect here mm-hmm. and how powerful is that unique effect. And so yeah. for me, I'm looking at something like natural order in particular because Yep. It's a relatively unique effect that that there aren't too many cards in the cube that do it. And then all I need to do really is pick up a handful of cards that I can sack to it, a handful of cards that I can grab off of it, and my deck kind of builds itself. So I, I have natural or high on my pick list here. I do think the Bloodstained Mire is still high on the pick list because it, it just slots into pretty much every deck. But I think I'm between those two leaning toward the natural order. Yeah, I agree with what you said. Um, in Vintage Cube, when everything is super powerful and you do have to kind of focus on uniqueness. Another side effect of that is that the decks are really deep and like the archetypes are really deep, which means a a really, really good green deck, a really, really good like mono green deck is awesome. A medium green deck is still really good. Like it would still be a standard deck (laughs) or uh, like, like the actual power level of the deck is still very high. So uh, that means that you have a little bit more openness. If you say you, you find yourself like a huge fan of mono green and you know that you can pilot mono green decks really well, then you could just slam the natural order and be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to make this a green deck. Um, sure, you're not going to pick up every dork and maybe you'll get lucky and the deck will be open. But even if you wind up with some like green splashing blue pile for some of the top ends or like a bribery or a hydroid crisis or something, um, it's still going to be really good. And uh there's other archetypes that I see that, that the beginnings of here animate dead. This is like your alleyway. If you wanted to kind of uh, open with reanimator Emrakul, if you wanted to maybe also consider a, a sneak style deck or uh, there's a Nahiri in the set that can, that can put it into play as well. Uh, that's also like a second copy of sneak just through, through the breach uh, as well or channel. <laughs> if you're, if you're willing to go down to five life, you can always channel out and Emrakul, cool, but we can't rely on getting a channel. Um, I think natural order is probably the safest pick here, but my next few would probably be Emrakul, animate dead, or honestly, I love mono white. I hate taking a Gideon this early, but no, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably go for mono red over that. I'd probably take the chain lightning. Yeah. I think those are solid, solid picks. I think when you, when you start talking about like potentially taking an Emrakul here, I, one of the problems with that sort of, uh, approach is that, you know, if other folks opened the sneak attack or the through the breach and they yeah. decided to do what we're talking about doing with the natural order, well, now your Emrakul is just kind of a dead card because you're not going to naturally cast it. Exactly. And there are other cards like Emrakul. There's the other Titans, uh, Ulamog in particular. So, you know, they are, and the cheaper ones can fit in other decks too. I've hard cast the Ulamogs in, in mono green decks, uh, thanks to like Gaia's Cradle and, and things like that without too much trouble. I, I think I'm on natural order here though, and, and hope to maybe pick up a percent of this or start looking into like a, uh, a toolbox of, of big green creatures that, that have different ETB effects. All right, on to Fairy Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So Ben. Oh man, let's see. Today was my last day of school. So I, as many people know, I'm a teacher. I got done at my school today and I'm actually not going back to that school. I'm, I'm going to a different one next year. So I had to say a lot of goodbyes. Um, it was a bit, a, bit of a, a sad day in some ways, but I am pretty happy to be leaving this district, um, all things considered. Teachers, you know how there's there's drama at every school. Uh, every school has its own set of problems. Let's just say I'm going to be leaving from a school that has a ton of problems and going to a school that has maybe slightly less problems and problems that I think will be of a different sort. I'm going to miss my students. I told them that I, if I could, I would take them all with me. And uh, I, I meant it. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's kind of a Teferi on a table. It's a bit bittersweet. But a lot of my teachers that, that I got along with well, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be seeing them over the summer for sure. My Tibble this week, 
just been a lot of things at once in addition to this whole transfer of school and like looking into different apartments and, and settling on one and, and trying to figure out all sorts of stuff with them and the bank. And um, some days a million things hit at once. And, and today's one of those days. Yeah, luckily the weekend is just about here and you are on like the world's longest weekend right now. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully yeah. you've got time to kind of rest and relax and um, recoup. I hope. <laughs> so for me this week, uh, my Teferi is pi. Pi. Oh, uh, 3.14159. No, no. Nope. The, the circular stuff that you cut into yeah, slices. The circular and thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was craving, I was really craving pie this week. Mm. And in particular, I wanted a key lime pie and I went to the store and for whatever reason, I just blanked that key lime pies and other like cream based pies should be, or meringue or whatever should be kept like in a fridge. Uh-huh. So I went to like the, the, like stands of confectionery stuff at the supermarket and I didn't see key lime pie. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now? So I ended up getting like this lemon pudding cake thing and it was awful. Like it was dry and terrible. <laughs> and I was just so disappointed because all Is I really wanted was key lime like, pie. What's going on here? <laughs> well, I ended up getting pie like the next day and it's been amazing. So <laughs> key, I'm just going to leave it at that. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> Look, it's been a it's been a very flat week. I had to come up with something for this segment. All right, all right. My table this week is that I've been very tired. Like, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I go through these these lulls. Maybe it's that I'm not getting hydrated enough or maybe I'm getting like slightly too little sleep and it's it's adding up over time. But I go through these like cycles where I'll be getting up before my alarm goes off and feeling amazing. And then I'll start like sleeping in like an extra 10 minutes after my alarm goes off and, and that kind of thing. And this week is one of those sleeping in an extra 10 minutes kind of weeks. So hopefully that that changes and my energy comes back. Eat some more pie. That should fix yeah, it. Yeah, that, probably, that's probably helping the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week our listener question is a leftover from the mailbag and it comes from Dorigan who asks, do you have an MTG doppelganger? Uh, apparently his is Calyx, uh, the, the uh, green white planeswalker. Yeah, I don't think I do. I I've, <laughs> I put some thought into this ahead of time and I cannot come up with anything that really screams me visually like mm-hmm. and there's no real way to like look for that. I can't I can't just like Google what magic cards look like me. So none came to mind. Maybe if you can if you think of one listener, jump in the discord and let me know. Uh, but I I can't think of any for myself. I think you might have to post an updated selfie in the chat so uh, so everyone knows That's what to fair. compare it to. Uh, I, I was trying to think of like a lot of the wizards in Magic have beards, but I, I was thinking of a few that don't. There's like Jace, uh, Joda, but they both have slightly longer hair than you. So I don't know. Yeah, Joda would be one that's like not maybe back in high school. Joda would have worked because mm-hmm. I did used to have hair to my shoulders, but yeah, not so much anymore. I actually have two because I've changed my look a few times uh, over the years. Right now, I've got pretty long hair uh, down to my shoulders. But um, for a while, I had a kind of like a, a side shaved undercut. And I looked, I, I had an uncanny resemblance to the unluckiest, who which I just learned is the name of this this character. Everyone knows him as the guy that shows up on all the curses. So uh, it's, that, it's that cycle of curses. And I think there might have been one additional one. Uh, and then I think we found out recently that it's some, it's like a vampire on Innistrad who's cursed th- this guy. I think it was from one of the commander sets, right? Yeah, that sounds correct. Listeners can uh, correct me in the discord if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that's where we got this new, new one. Uh, in like a recent, I want to say like blue, black, red themed curses deck. But anyway, apparently this character has no defined name yet. Maro can confirmed it in an article, but um, because he's shown up in art on several planes, we did get confirmation that he's a planeswalker. And right now he just goes by the unluckiest because he just keeps getting unlucky and he's just suffering all these curses. Uh, I at one point looked just scarily like this guy, uh, particularly in, I want to say, Curse of Verbosity. And uh, the listener can look that one up because <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, I, I can relate to that card a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's actually like doppelganger in a handful of ways, not just physical <laughs> resemblance, but... I, I'm a the little luckier, well. uh, but um, th- this guy, uh, <laughs> I, I can relate to this guy. In, in my current form, I think I look a little bit more like Drandeth Magistrate, 
my beard is a bit shorter uh, and, and I usually wear my hair up. It's hard to tell if Dreadeth Magistrate has like maybe a bit of a, I don't know if that's a mullet or if that's like a ponytail on the back, but I could probably pull off a pretty good Dreadeth Magistrate cosplay. Yeah, I would say so. It almost looks like a weird, like something resembling a mullet, but then he has the sides shaved or maybe he has gray sides. So it looks like they're shaved. Yeah, it's hard to tell. So uh, our main topic this week, alchemy apathy and or anger. I don't know how, how angry or apathetic are we about this? I don't know. I thought it was pretty apathetic. And then we started talking about it before the show started and I got kind of kind of upset. So <laughs> I'm going to say I'm on the angry side. OK, so in all honesty to the listener, this wasn't our plan this week. We had we had started with uh, an episode focused on the chromatic cube, which is the new cube that's coming out uh, by the time this episode releases. It's already out. We've probably already been drafting it a bit. Uh, we were going to do a deep dive, focus on all the, the archetypes and all the cards and, and cool things. But we noticed something as we began looking over the Chromatic Cube list, which is posted online right now for us. Um, it's got alchemy cards in it. Yeah, and, and not just a couple. Yeah. It, it's got like a lot. We were going through some of the pages. We didn't get through the entire set, but probably somewhere between 50 and 100 alchemy exclusive cards. And then there are 11 cards that have actually been changed that are not like from an alchemy set but they they changed pre-existing cards to now be alchemy cards so that's a lot i mean that's like almost a sixth uh, a fifth of the uh the entire set so this is like a, a big shakeup for cube we kind of thought cube was going to be um untouchable as it were and it's it's not first they came for our historic and we were silent uh, no we weren't we weren't silent at all then they came for our cube and i guess we're gonna get upset about it again i honestly uh, no one hates magic like magic players, right? But uh, I think it is out of a place of caring, and I don't want to be too pessimistic about this. But look, I was excited for a cube to come around, one to, to shake up arena because I've been playing much arena at all. I've been playing mostly cube uh, and and you know paper cards. But uh, I was excited for a reason to like start up arena. But then then just this week or at this point last week, uh, a, a little card went viral on on Magic Twitter, stolen out from from the new release of. Uh, Alchemy, Baldur's Gate, Horizons, Alchemy Horizons, Baldur's Gate, right? Gate Horizons, Alchemy, Baldur's? <laughs> gates, Gates, Baldur's Gates, Alchemy. So uh, let's just let's just read over this card real quick. Let's talk about Viconia, Nightsinger's Disciple. So this is one in the black for a 2-3 at Uncommon, which does... Does that mean anything? Does does rarity mean anything for digital only cards? It shouldn't. They still, I guess, sell alchemy packs or whatever on Arena. So I guess it does technically. And if you're going to draft this, which in a cube setting, it doesn't matter. But if for some reason there was going to be like a draftable version of the Baldur's Gate set, then it would matter. So anyway, this this card, it's a legend. Uh, it has one exile target card from a graveyard. Okay, so right there, that's that's not an egregious card like kind of like uh, the new timorit or um kind of like a scavenging goose but in black like we've seen effects like this before yeah so why are we upset with this one well it has a little ability called specialize and this says specialize too so you pay two generic manic to specialize it and then you have to break out your reading glasses because oh god like it okay so uh, when you specialize, it seems that you have the option to pick one of five different options of things to specialize into. And then that creature becomes the special, the, the new, the creature. It becomes specialized. It, it gains that specialty? <laughs> yeah. The name uh, changes. The mana value changes. The colors of the card change. And the text box gets 50 times longer. Uh, and the font size shrinks infinitely. So, uh... We should probably just talk about one of them. I will say they all do keep the pay one generic exile target card from a graveyard. So, hey, at least that part's the same. But otherwise, this card is six cards in one card. Yeah, or one card with five backs. Yeah, I guess that's a more accurate way to put it. We, I mean, we, we didn't really get into the, the colors necessarily, but the first version of the card is two mana and it's, it's mono black. And then the five specialties, there's one mono black one, but it has a different mana value. There's a blue-black one, a white-black one, a black-red one, and a black-green one. So basically one for all the combinations of colors that you can mm -hmm. have in a, in a two-color pair with black. But then also an extra black one. 
Yeah, so so we get the joke here, right? Like it used to cost one and a black, but now, for example, um, the white one costs one black white, and the, the other ones cost like one black blue, one black red, one black green, one black black. So it adds just it just adds the pip of the color that you choose, I guess, to give you devotion to that color. Um, it, it I don't know cards that care about like mana values of creatures on the board. It's going to affect because they're now three drops. You're never casting it for the specialized cost, though. <laughs> Well, you say that if someone like unsummons it back to your hand, I guess you'd have to pay the specialized cost to, to get it like. Yeah. Does it come field, back right? as the original version of the card or does it come I back think it would. as well, it's it came back like as the perpetually. Yeah, it could be. OK, so that well, that's what I'm asking. Like if you unsummon Viconia as after it's been specialized, does it turn back into the quote unquote front side, which is just no, one in black? It does. OK, so it stays specialized. And then it's worth mentioning they can't specialize again. Once they've been specialized, right. they lose the specialized ability. That's like a permanent flip card. And then we can maybe as well read it. When this creature specializes, conjure a duplicate of target card exiled with this creature into your hand. This duplicate perpetually gains... And then the next chunk of text is different for each of these five cards. This one happens to be, you may spend this, uh, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast the spell. If it had mana value three or less, you may put it on the battlefield. Uh, I, I lied. I guess they all say you may spend mana as though it were any color to cast the spell. Um, but yeah, except the blue black one also has a slightly different text to that because it says, instead it says when this creature specializes, choose up to one target creature card and up to one target instant or sorcery card from among cards exiled with this creature contra duplicate of each of those cards in your hand <laughs> and then the duplicates gain perpetually <laughs> okay 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 screw this the black one only hits creatures but when the creature enters the battlefield it becomes a little siege rhino it, it, your opponent loses two life and you gain two life um the red one it has to be a creature it gains perpetually one oh and haste uh and the green one is also creature only it gets plus two plus two and that's it so uh, also each of these viconias become three four. Oh man well, my initial thoughts were, hold on, my, my very, very initial thoughts were, oh, cool, they did this with one card. And then I took a second look and I realized they <laughs> keyworded specialize. There's no way they only did this with one card. And it turns out they did not. There are, what, five, six of these things, which means there are like 30 of these cards floating around. Yeah, there's six. I guess only six cards, but like 30-ish backs. So uh, there's a ton of them. And the weirdness doesn't stop there. The art is changed for each of these. So uh, on Viconia, you see the sky has changed color. And this kind of like glowing orb is, is different colors in each of the arts. Not going to lie, it doesn't look the best. Viconia's made the most sense to me because they are just like literally holding an orb of light. So maybe the orb of light changes color. It, it affects the way that like, quote unquote, the camera would have captured the shot. So okay, you do sure. see like a little bit of a filter. That kind of made sense to me. It doesn't look great the way they did it, but. Let's talk about Lazel. So Lazel uh, starts as mono white on one side and then does the same thing. You, you, for each of them, you add a uh, another pip on the backside. And as we were flipping through, we noticed that all of these backsides... Oh, God, wait a minute. Something's different about this one. Okay, 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 yeah. So this one, the backside of one of them, of the blue-white one, has a different art than the backsides of all the other ones. They didn't just like put a blue overlay like that. The white one looks normal. Uh, The the blackish one has like a cloudyish blackish sky. The red one has a reddish sky. The green one has a greenish sky. Does the blue one have a bluish sky? No, it does. It is a totally different art. (laughs) Different creature type too. Different different creature type. What on earth? What are they doing? What what is, what is this? I don't even want to look at the other ones. The, the, this is what I was uh, a little bit nervous about a long time ago with, with alchemy. Like, sure, some of these designs might be cool and fun. I don't doubt that. I'm sure they play tested them, he said, <laughs> with uh, ever decreasing confidence. But the complexity creep of, of this alchemy stuff, I can't hold any of these cards. I, I, I wonder what survey they looked at that said that led, that led like the design team to, to believe uh, players want to play with cards with more options and more text boxes and, and more nested abilities upon abilities upon abilities. My favorite card from the last set was one that just had three words on it. Lifelink trample haste. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm in the minority of magic players here either because the general reaction to Viconia was what on earth is this? Uh, all the comment section was full of that meme. That's like, uh, uh, sorry that happened to you or happy. I ain't reading all that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think this kind of 
getting a little a little bit philosophical here. This is a common problem that people face just in life. There is, and I actually wrote about this on Twitter recently, but there there is a huge misconception that humans have that is choice is freedom. And to a degree, that's true. But once you hit a threshold, there's sort of, I don't even want to call it diminishing returns, but once you hit a certain threshold, more choice actually just chains you because you, you're stuck with too many decisions. You can't, you can't make a decision because there are too many options and you're just paralyzed. We, you know, you've heard of analysis paralysis. It, it, mm-hmm. It's not actually good for people to have too many choices. It's great to have some choice, but too many choices is really not great for you. And this is that applied to something that I think people try to use as an escape from life in, in a lot of ways. And now you're throwing extra choice and decision making on top of an already complex game. I don't yeah. know. I'm I'm not a fan of this. I'm at the point where I think Wizards is just kind of not listening to anybody at all ever. <laughs> and they're just like, we're just going to do stuff. And it doesn't matter because we print money anyway. So, yeah, at, at the risk of sounding like too highly reactionary, these are some of the first magic cards that I have just no interest in reading. Like I, I have zero interest in seeing what these cards do. Uh, I'm not excited to play them because of this level of <laughs> imagine someone like a brand new magic player downloads arena. And uh, I don't know if this is even going to happen. And they say, Oh, alchemy, they, they gave me a bunch of free alchemy packs. Let me open these up. And then the first magic card they read is <laughs> Viconia even like <sighs> I, I don't know what kind of effect that has on someone who's trying to figure out this game where th- then they say, well, this is a lot of thinking. This is a lot of minutia. I guess you only play this one in a blue black deck or this one in another deck. But then you have to work your mana base to be able to play all five of them, I guess, if you want to be playing perfectly uh, with this card or with any oh, of these new releases. I didn't even consider that aspect. Like, are you supposed to build your mana base such that if this thing gets bounced, you can play the one you specialized into? Or do you just avoid special? Oh, goodness. I don't know. And some of these have like this one, Val Eager Scholar, specialize five. You put five car- five mana into this? Like, I, I, I don't know. This is, this is not my thing. If this is uh, the thing for a listener out there, I don't want to, uh, as they say, yuck your yum. But this is definitely not my thing and and this is some of the most disappointing stuff that i've seen in a while like all the effort that goes into this which i I mean i hope it's effort because (laughs) like all the effort that goes into this couldn't this just be refocused to i don't know improve literally anything everybody's been asking for for the last few years yeah i i also wanted to say like i tried to give these some extra thought before I was like, wow, I hate this. And the one saving grace for me that I was trying to keep an eye on was, is there some way to shortcut all this stuff? I mean, we talk about it all the time and limited, especially heuristics help get through a lot of the decision making cut down on those choices. Like I was mentioning and kind of shortcut a lot of that stuff. And mm-hmm. if they made these specialized cards in such a way that you could kind of come up with a way to shortcut some of these things, the extra effects and all that, then then okay, maybe maybe we're overreacting. And Viconia kind of seems to be that way outside of one of the versions working with different creature types or different card types or whatever. For the most part, it's when this thing specializes, conjure a thing. And then after it specializes, it doesn't do that anymore. So you kind of can forget about it. It's a three mana, three, four, that pay one exile target card from a graveyard. Mm. But then you look at cards like Lazelle, which we just talked about, which has its own problems with like the art and stuff. But then that has an effect that is when this creature ETBs or specializes, every single one of them does something different after that, that comma in the text. One yeah. seeks for cards, one uh, returns creature cards from your graveyard, one creates tokens, one, you know, they all do something different. And then the blue white one doesn't even do that. It like conjures stuff like I don't know. There's just no real way to shortcut this stuff that I can see, at least not an easy way to do that. And that means I have to memorize all these extra cards. And sure, right now, there are six of them. There are 30 total extra versions or whatever. Not really the end of the world. But this is a design pattern that I'm expecting we're going to see more of. You don't keyword something unless you're planning to use it. And Mm. I mean, look how many times they had to print cards that said put card from library into the graveyard to get mill to be a word they used. Like, they committed this one fast. Right. This is something that is being, I think, explored for some time to come. I don't think this is the last we're going to see of this. And the more of these cards that are out there, especially when you can play them in things like historic and other formats like that, the more bogged down this whole sort of system and and thing, I guess, is going to be. And I'm not looking forward to that. I'm. This is actually, and again, at the risk of sounding a little overreactionary, 
I'm kind of curious how many people this is going to get to stop playing the game. Like mm. in, in like in franchise players, who it's going to get to stop playing the game. Hopefully everyone, like the, a lot of most players will just keep playing the other formats. But I mean, this is going to affect the number of times I draft. Like for example, the cube that we're about to talk about. I mean, if those numbers that had been kind of circulating around magic Twitter were to be believed, it sounds like alchemy is by far the least played format. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not even close. And I don't think that's an accident. And okay, yeah, sure. These things will stay self-contained there for a while. And we will thankfully never have to think about them. But they're still supporting it. They're still making like weekend qualifiers alchemy instead of limited. And as we're seeing, these cards have started popping up in cubes. And, you know, like we, we may as well talk about it. This this chromatic cube, which we did actually see last year as well. Now, this one has included some wackier things. Uh, it's not the arena cube. Uh, and it's not Tinkerer's Cube. This one has a bit of a multicolor focus. It's going to have a bunch of alchemy cards in it. And when we're playing with these things that we're not as familiar with, we maybe don't like the designs as much, and we kind of have this bad taste from, that's going to have a real effect on us as the players and how many times we want to engage with this. I'm not going to draft this cube nearly as much as I would, say, the Arena Cube, which has magic cards that I know and, you know, love and play and, and have paper copies of, and I don't have to short hit, like shortcut in my head, of, oh, this is the one that costs like one extra, like Omnath, or uh, is is this the, uh, the the version of Goldspan Dragon that cares or doesn't care when it gets targeted by a spell? Like, I, I, I feel like we should try to reduce this unnecessary excess in, in complexity that seems to be getting the same reaction out of a lot of them. Definitely the most vocal, and uh, we, I guess we kind of count in that, given that we have literally a platform. <laughs> but uh, it seems that uh, the less vocal players are, are, are sharing similar concerns, and the data supports it too, right? If it's true that this is the least played format, then does anyone even really care about these cards? Right, then what, what does that do for other formats? I mean, they're bringing these cards to this chromatic cube, but what's to stop them from bringing these cards to Arena Cube as well? What's to mm -hmm. stop them from bringing them to Tinker's Cube? What's to stop them from just releasing like alchemy? I mean, they kind of did it with, with Streets of New Capenna and doing like an alchemy rework of that set and doing it as yeah. a draft format. I don't love that, especially because one of the most fun things about Limited is being able to do it with other people. And I, yes, if you're playing on Arena in the first place, you're not playing with other people around. Sure, I get that, but I don't like muddying formats that people have been talking about for years as one of their favorite formats just because like if you had a really good reason to do that and it's a shift that is going to take some time to get used to but then will actually make the game better sure but all this does is actually diverge like the online and paper versions of the game even more and depending on which side of the fence you fall on with that whole argument uh, you'll either love or hate this for that reason mm -hmm. Now, Wizards has recently kind of pulled away from the esports angle that we know they were leaning into pretty heavily over the pandemic and understandably because they needed to find a way to, to keep making money during the pandemic. And they did. Uh, they tried rebranding Magic as an esport. Didn't really work. And uh, I think they've kind of pivoted back towards, all right, let's bring the gathering back. That has been nice to see, especially with people like Huey at the helm of some of the big decisions that get made about what tournament structure looks like and things like that. We're pivoting a little bit away. We haven't pivoted fully away, but uh, as far as like organized play goes, we've pivoted a little bit away from esports isms. This feels like one of the last dying remnants of, of, of the esports magic, right? Where uh, they're still trying to mimic Hearthstone and other fully digital games that have um, cards with similar designs, cards that like transform permanently or cards that uh, like maintain effects when they, when they pass from different zones, things that would never work in paper. I feel as though if they're going to try moving away from esportsisms, like I, I was hoping that alchemy would be pretty quickly forgotten, but now this means that they're pouring some of their resources into it still. Uh, those are resources that could be going to, say, putting Pioneer fully on Arena, which would be incredible and people would love. Yeah, and I, I guess there's also the release lag, and I don't know how much of that you get with Arena versus Paper and how they're like waiting to do certain things. Obviously, there's a link between what they release on Arena and the Paper version of the games because the Paper versions actually have a release cycle that they have to work with in terms of printing the cards, getting them packaged, getting them out to suppliers to be sold. Software doesn't usually have those kinds of restraints, but because it's tied to a physical product release, they do have to kind of have that. And I wonder, because we know that the Magic sets, the Paper sets have always been made like, what, two years ahead or something? I think so, something like that. I think it's two year, years. Right? Yeah, and so... 
maybe this is work that was done ages ago with anticipation for the Baldur's Gate set to come out. And yeah. well, the pivot away from esports happened in the middle of that. And okay, maybe we won't see any more of this. It's going to take time to re uh, to catch up and readjust. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I'm kind of hopeful that that's the case, but, but who knows? <sighs> so anyway, I think that's our, our thoughts. And uh, to the listener, very curious to hear what you have to think. This is something that I, obviously Zach and I can pontificate on for as long as we want. But um, let's hear some of your rants, you know, like, do you just not care at all? Are you truly apathetic about this? Or do you fall a little bit more on the anger side like we do? I, I think we're, we both tilted off a little here just because this is a game that we care about so much. And we, we, we it's a big part of like the, the fun that we have. And this is something that we think is diminishing that fun. I don't know. Someone comes on your turf and is, is messing up your lawn. Then you're like, hey, get off my lawn. You know, are, are we becoming those uh, old man yells at cloud memes? Maybe. But uh, I want this cloud to go away. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, and I, one last little bit on that. Like, I think I'd have so much less problem with this if it didn't take away a cue that I was looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Like if there was chromatic cube sans alchemy and then chromatic cube with alchemy. I wouldn't care. Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't I, It wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't bother <laughs> me at all. Like, zero bother at all. The so fact that this, I lost out on a chromatic cube that I would have been very excited to play, and now I'm just kind of like, am I even going to give it a shot? That bothers me. Yeah, um, I might not. Maybe I might play it once or twice, but I'm definitely not going to play it like I would otherwise. Maybe we'll just have to make up our own cube, you know? <laughs> Wait a minute, we, we got one of those. Uh, maybe it's time for some revamps. So, um, we did want to mention a few things about the chromatic cube for, for those that do want to play. And I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to give it a shot, right? <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll stipulation run no alchemy cards. <laughs> that actually sounds fun. Maybe we're going to stream that. <laughs> Try, trying to force trophies with zero alchemy cards to spite the system. Man, I, I, I don't like what that would make me into, but uh, <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Um, anywho, we wanted to give a, a re- bit of a, a refresher, just some quick notes as always, it's a cube. You want to take fixing, especially in a multicolor set like this. Fixing is going to be super important. There's pathways in the set. There, there's dual lands. Take those highly. Take mana rocks to tap for mana of any color. It's not the only reason you should take mana rocks, though, because another important thing is ramp. Yeah. If if you can't cast your big beefy spells that are all these different colors, you're not going to win games. So definitely pay attention to the ramp and try to pick up. I wouldn't say as many mana rocks as you can, but there's kind of a sweet sup, sweet spot. Mana dorks are also a great way to kind of get ahead in that way as well. Cards like Cultivator in the set as well, so you can kind of keep an eye out for those to get extra lands out onto the battlefield for you as well. There's a lot of really fun cards in this set besides the alchemy ones. That's probably why I'm, I'm so tilted by it. Uh, the Cavaliers are in here. The God Eternals are in here. E- even some some cards that you wouldn't usually see. Fire Song and Sunspeaker. That's like a a weird like promo card from a while back, you know, like interesting things. Some, some unique vectors are floating around within this set and some unique pieces to those vectors as well. Ones that you, you wouldn't see in, in the arena cube where things are mostly just the best of the best. This is definitely a wacky one. So in a kind of wacky set like that, look for those unique effects. Um, I, I spotted Zakama in here, right? You're not going to get another card like Zakama. Uh, kind of an ultimate payoff for, for being nigh a huge ramp. Uh, and then the ability to untap all your lands. Really significant. Things like that, I think, will, will be uh, the crux of, of some good decks. The ultimatums are back as well. So that's something to keep an eye out for in terms of the chromaticiness of the set right they're, they're they're pretty difficult to cast and they are they require a ton of colored mana so getting all of those sort of three things together will net you a pretty solid unique effect and most of them are pretty good we wanted to mention some of the, the archetypes that look like you know they could be pretty fun blue white blink i'm almost certainly going to force this dasa is in this teleportation circles in this uh those two are uh four mana repeatable blink sources uh, and then you've got good stuff to blink like like cloud blazer uh, red green stompy is historically the, the cube deck that i find the most success with halana elena you know um, <laughs> some of that uh, you don't need anything else. Just a lot of Atlanta. Put her them in a deck and uh, you just win. One of the more interesting ones that I saw this time around is Red White seems to be going for like a uh, like a big spells theme. Big Boros, if you will. Yeah, with Firesong and Sunspeaker, I kind of was, was tipped off to that. They're going, they're calling it Red White Magecraft. So going back to the uh, Magecraft, I guess, keyword. I don't, I don't think they actually keyworded it, but... Yeah, the Magecraft effect from like Strixhaven and just casting big, big spells. Yeah. Now there is a five color archetype 
just shouting out some of them. Niv-Mizzet Reborn, Maelstrom Archangel, and Tiamat are all in this cube. So if you can get all five colors of mana, there are some pretty significant payoffs. And of course, there's a bunch of like three and two color payoffs as well, um, if you don't feel like going to all five colors. I'm interested to try this, um, but I can't promise I'm going to do it that much. Who knows? I, I, will, I will absolutely eat my hat if I go and I end up having a ton of fun with these alchemy cards, I will be the first person to say, just kidding. This is a lot of fun. These are great designs. But I don't know, just based on what I've seen so far, I, I don't have too much hope for that. Yeah, likewise. I am kind of excited and I didn't I didn't look through the set deeply enough just yet to see if they did or did not include these, but they the blue red archetype is Storm. At least they're calling it that on the website. And I, I wonder if there are actual Storm cards brought back here. But yeah, I mean, it's blue red spells, so... That's one that I'll keep an eye out for as well. Now, the one thing I'm a little concerned about, we don't have a next standard set release until the last week of August. That's, uh, I mean, me thinking of that now, that feels like the whole summer away, you know? So I guess depending on where you are on Earth, the whole season away. So I don't know. Is this the plan to hold us over? Is is this cube going to be all we've got for a while? Yeah, it's sad because it makes me think back to like my response to this compared to my response to, say, Amonkhet Remastered, which was what they dropped a couple of summers ago to kind of do the same thing. Which is and awesome. And so much more excited about Amonkhet Remastered than this. And they kind of mm. stopped with the remastered sets. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's fun. Like you said, hopefully we are just going to come back next week and be like, hey, guys, forget what we said. It's amazing. Just draft it a lot and enjoy it. I would love for you, the listener, to jump into the Discord and tell us that you're enjoying it. Hopefully it works yeah, for yeah. somebody. That's, I mean, that's what we're trying to do here, right? But I don't know, there's just something like an itch in the back of my head that even if like, what if I did play an alchemy card and I just loved it so much and I was like, oh man, this would go great in Bruna. And then I go to print it and I'm like, wait a minute, I gotta, I gotta print it. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't have it. I can't get it. It's signed by the artist. I, I can't put it in my favorite sleeves. I can't hear it click against my play mat. That's a real part of the game, even uh, even though we have kind of fo- switched focus to, to a lot of arena play. Maybe maybe the next few months are a good opportunity to get out to your local game store and, and support them and get in some events. I know, Zach, we have plans uh, to do just that. Yes, we do. Keep an ear out for some Double Masters content because we're going to bring it to you. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, unfortunately, by the time this episode drops, the Vintage Cube will be just about over, but... That is going to be a good alternative to this chromatic cube. A few things in praise of Vintage Cube. You get to play with some of the most incredible cards from throughout Magic's history. Not cards that were uh, generated by a by, by Robo Rosewater <laughs> like two days ago. We're, we're talking like you're playing with the Power Nine, Time Twister, Black Lotus, the Moxin. Like, uh, and then even cards that, that are new but have that power level. Fable of the Mirror Breaker is incredible in Vintage Cube. I, I actually got to, uh, it's no Kiki Jiki, but the back half is kind of like Kiki Jiki. I got to uh, combo off with Kiki Pestermite, except my Kiki was the back half of a Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I just had to tap a bunch of mana to do it, and it still worked. You get to play with like really fun, uh, really interesting cards from throughout Magic's history. The Vintage Cube is finely honed. You know, um, it, it has been through so many iterations. And they've taken so much feedback and uh, about like what should go and what shouldn't uh, down to even sometimes the, the borders and, and like the arts of the cards that are in there. They're hand picked to be the ones that will get the crowd to go wild. Uh, but they've got the old border fetch lands in there right now. Like, come on, <laughs> that, that that's great. So um, if you want to say, you know, pack one, pick one Black Lotus and, uh, you know, cast Chase the Mind Sculptor on turn one, you can do that. You know, uh, doesn't that sound appealing? Uh now, you can't play it every day, you know, because you, you don't want to get too much dessert lest you start to devalue it. But uh, while Vintage Cube is around, I, I am starting to really consider it the, uh, the peak of limited formats. Well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, j- check out the Discord if you're not already in there. It, it really is just an awesome community of folks who are both loving and I guess kind of hating parts of magic at the same time, <laughs> but it's an open area. Welcome to, to jump in. Let us know. I would, again, I'd really love to hear that you are really enjoying uh, this version of the chromatic cube. So jump in there and let us know the link to that is in the episode description as well as on the Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. Huge thanks to everybody. Once again, who's continuing to support us over there. If you haven't already 
do check the episode description for the uh, end of year feedback form that we've we've included. I'll keep it in there for the next handful of weeks so that uh, you guys have ample time to give us feedback there. That's just a great way for you to be able to give direct input into the show and help us make it a better thing for you. Well, that does it for us this week. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. See ya. All right, so I know we gave in to our basest instincts and became jaded reactionary content creators, just like we'd always feared. But uh, to to kind of uh, level ourselves here, I wanted to shout out an opponent that I played against on Vintage Cube today who showed me that we are nowhere near (laughs) as as bad as it can get. So my opponent was playing some kind of storm deck and and they they attempted to to storm off. Uh, They cast Mind's Desire uh to to exile a bunch of cards in the top of their library and free cast them they were fully tapped out besides that uh they exiled like four lands uh some junky creatures and i think uh like a frantic search which i remanded back to their hand which was nice because my opponent had wheeled us and i drew into the remand now i untapped uh kicked the seagate stormcaller and then cast time walk which <laughs> think about what that would do that would copy time walk twice um which would give me three extra turns in a row now my opponent didn't take too kindly to this action. I think that the tilt from them not hitting more storm pieces off of their uh, uh, their their, uh, their mind's desire, or uh, of them inadvertently cycling me into the remand that I needed to stop them from storming, whatever it was, they decided to just be a really lovely human and congratulate me on my win in chat. But then say, I'm going to give you the next 15 minutes to enjoy your win because they had 15 minutes on their match clock. So basically, what they did was they sat there doing nothing and just letting their match timer run down for 15 minutes. My God, <laughs> like I thought they were joking yeah, at first. That's like when you get into the whole like, oh, I want chat on arena or I want clocks on arena. Like sometimes careful what you wish for because people will find a way to abuse those things. Yeah, and and this this person just, I, I, I really truly thought they were kidding at first. Uh, if you want to see our chat history, that's a great reason to hop on the Discord because it is did get a good laugh out of that today. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really had to resist feeding the troll because uh, I, I had to kind of tell myself that, yes, I could I could obliterate this loser into the dirt if I wanted to. But in some ways, that's what they want. You know, in some ways they win when you engage with them. And this goes for maybe uh, people that, that rope on arena or that, that good game and that type of thing. Um, it's hard. It sucks to be the bigger person. I, I, this isn't the first troll I've encountered on magic online. Um, and I, I think it's unfortunate because magic sometimes gets the stereotype of, of being people that are uh, less friendly and non-inclusive and, and that type of thing. When uh, in reality, the, the exact opposite is often true. Um, but then every once in a while, you get a you get a bad apple like this that spoils the barrel. And uh, uh, this is not the kind of person that you'd want to have at your local game store being part of your. So I, I had to be, you know, calm about it. I had to be like, all right, I'm not going to feed this troll. But uh, if you want to see my reaction and what they continue to say, uh, of course, I did win the match after 15 minutes waiting.